Amen, amen. There is no other fountain. Let's open our Bibles to Luke 15 this morning, Luke in chapter 15. And uh, we're going to reread this morning our text verse as we get into our third installment of the Gone series, the Gone series uh, that's been our Sunday mornings. And uh, I, uh, it, it's, uh, it's warm outside. I, I told Denise on the way, I said, man, it's too hot for me to wear a jacket today. And she said, well, I wouldn't. And I'm thinking, well, I know you, you wouldn't wear a coat anyway to church. You, you know, you're a lady, but nonetheless, uh, I, I didn't wear an overcoat today or, or a suit. I have what is hopefully going to be a little cool, uh, but we shall see. And, and by the way, I'm just commenting about the heat. I'm not complaining. Amen. I'll take the sunshine and the heat any day of the week. Uh, there is no complaints here. Luke 15, verse 11. Luke 15, verse 11 says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Father in heaven, we thank you, dear Lord, for who and what you are, for all that you've done, for your many wonderful blessings and gifts that you've given and bestowed upon us. Lord, I, I plead with you today that you would work your mighty work, Lord God, between, before your people, that, Lord, you would speak to hearts and minds in a way that maybe you haven't in times past. Lord, I pray that you'd revisit those that have named the name of Christ who steadfastly have served you, who accept you as Lord and Savior. And I ask you, dear God, that if you will, that you would bear witness upon them, Lord, to help them have growth in the Christian life that they so desire and need. Lord, as we look at what is transpiring today, as we look at uh, this third installment here, of this Gone series, Father, as we see this young man remembering from where he came from, who he was, most importantly, whose he was, Lord, let us, I pray, apply this into our life when and how it needs to be the most. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Daniel, back me off just a little bit if you don't mind. Luke in chapter 15 records the events of two boys from the same home. And we've heard this be, this be three weeks now. And uh, each, each one of these young men, each one of these brothers, if you will, were, had the same upbringing. They were taught a work ethic. They, uh, they were taught to have a, how they to operate within the family. Uh, they had a father and a mother who taught them both to have integrity and respect. And yet one chooses by his own will to dishonor all his father has provided. Just as we heard in, in week one that this young man, uh, this young man uh, had gone afar. 
First in his heart and his mind, and, and then usually, typically, his body would follow. I would say nine times out of ten, when the heart and the mind begin to go afar, when you begin to go away from the Word of God and all that you've learned and all that you've been taught and, and all of these things, right, it will not be long that your body will be there as well. You'll lower your standards for someone else's situation, which is just insanity. He would demand his inheritance, his portion that fell unto him, and essentially telling his dad that, that he's dead to him, and he would depart. We find that this younger brother removes himself. He gets caught up in riotous living. And, and when reality set in in his life, when the money failed and the friends forsook him, we ask ourselves, and I said last week, was he too far gone? Instead of going home, he reinforced his position. He suffered the results, and while it's in the pig pen, Begin to desire to dine upon the very husk that he fed the swine with until he remembered who and whose he was. You see, beloved, we've seen the heartache and the misery in our story thus far. There's been really nothing positive about what we've seen the past two weeks. Such actions, they reach the deepest and darkest place that this young man has ever been in his entire life up to this moment. But I'll say this this morning, thankfully, when he remembered, thankfully he remembered who he was, and we find that now he's gone home. Can I say this to you this morning, that this is the key, number one, remembering who you are. But secondly, and I would say uh, most importantly, remembering whose you are. First, who he is, that he remembered uh, that he was a son. Secondly, he remembered whose he was. He was his father's. Verse 17 tells us very clearly, it says, and when he came to himself. Beloved, this again, this is the key. He came to who he was. He came back to himself. When conviction is brought about and the reality of ill choices finally sets in, a child of God will come to themselves. A lost person, when they get saved, will become in their right mind. We see this in Luke chapter 8, verse 35. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So let us remember that the Lord, my friend, the Lord doesn't bring us into confusion. God is not the author of confusion, we must remember. Nor does he bring us into the land of fear. The Bible tells us that, that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but that of a sound mind, guys. But of power and of love and a sound mind. We have a world today seeking some type of peace. The big buzzwords today are mindset, and I'm not against mindset. People are searching for meaning. They're searching for purpose in our world today. And the end of all of those things simply are death. You say, preacher, hang on a second here. You mean to tell me we have no purpose? I didn't say that at all. But I will say this to you this morning. If you are searching for purpose within yourself, if you're searching for meaning within yourself, if you're looking to lock in to that mindset that's going to bring you peace because of what you found deep down inside of yourself, that's going to end in death. And that's all it is because it's led by self. And always, when a soul comes to the end of themselves... If they are without the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if they're adhering to some pagan, transcendental, look-within-yourself mantra, it's going to backfire. 
And when it does, the result is mental, emotional, and sadly, oftentimes, physical death. This younger brother remembered. What a blessing. He remembered, which brought about repentance. Notice with me, if you will, in verses 18 and through 19, as well as verse 21. Verse 18 says, I will arise and go to my father's house and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I'm going to stop there real quick. This hired servant issue here, I want you to notice that, that in verse 17, when he came to himself, the Bible says that he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish for hunger? What is that, last, what is that punctuation mark on the backside of that verse? It's an exclamation mark. He was not asking a question. He was making a statement, a, an actual powerful statement saying, I'm not wondering, I know. My, he has plenty of servants. They have plenty of food and food to spare. And yet here I am perishing with hunger. That's part of the conviction that was brought through. His intention and his repentance, we find, uh, came followed with actions in verse 21. And it says, And the son said unto him, this is when he went home, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no worthy to be called thy son. See, it's one thing to get under conviction. It's one thing to, to get under conviction and even have outward contrition and have all these intentions on doing something. And then once you get to that point, and maybe you find out it was a little bit easier, that you wasn't going to have to grovel, beg, and beg forgiveness or anything. Once you find that out, it's easy to say, well, you know what? I'm already through the door. Let me forget all those other things. That young man said, this is what I'm going to say. He went to his dad as his dad hugged and kissed him, and he followed through with what he said he would do. My friend, that's true repentance. Now, despite what you may have heard or what you may have been taught before, this younger brother who wasted his life just repented. When did he repent? He repented in verses 18 and 19. Beloved, to repent is to have a change of heart and mind about something. Uh, to turn from one's current intentions and actions. His repentance is reinforced with his humility and contrition that we find in verse 19. His brokenness does not remove the fact that he is a son. He, he only says, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. He never says, I'm not thy son anymore. He doesn't say he ever ceased to be a son. His contrition led him to come back as a hired hand, humility. Not having the accolades of sonship, this was his intentions. This was where his heart and his mind were. I just want to come back to where I belong. This is true contrition. This is true repentance. It's not a work. There's no work that's going to save you. There's no work that brings about reconciliation. There is no work that you can do that hasn't already been done for you, and that's by the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a repentance to change of heart and mind about something. So, beloved, his repentance brought about his return. Look in verse 20 in the very first part. It says, and he arose and he came to his father. The beautiful part about this that I find he was at his wit's end. You say, some will say, and they'll argue, well, preacher, he didn't have anywhere else to go. No, but you know what? He didn't have anywhere else to go when he left. Amen. That was right in the eyes of God. 
He, I mean, that, that portion has never changed. From the moment that he was gone afar, he had nowhere else to go that was in the right mindset of God than to go right back home. So that doesn't change anything. He arose and he came to his father. We see this as Paul says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 7:10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance. To salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. You see, there's something about a godly sorrow. There's something about a godly sorrow that breaks our heart, that brings us to a place where only God can, can use us, where only God can meet us, only where we need to return to where we once were. And I've always said, the further you go out, the further you have to come back in. I understand that. But when God begins to work in a soul's life, and godly uh, sorrow worketh repentance, it will bring about a return to who? And what you are. He came to his father, my friend. He returned from whence he departed. And there are some things that we need to pay close attention to in the midst of this return. I want you to notice, number one, that he came to a person, guys. He didn't come to a, a reality. He didn't come to a thought. He didn't come to an idea. He came to a person. He came to his father. But it, it wasn't anywhere else. It, it wasn't a repeat after me thought. It wasn't a code, a creed. Uh, it wasn't a judiciary inquiry uh, that he had to go through. He simply came to a person. He came to his father. And guys, can I say this, that it was personal? It was personal. The Bible says, Jesus Christ says, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. How do you suppose this morning? that that father saw him coming back. When he was yet a great way off, okay. Stay with me on this, if you will. I want you to imagine this. That boy's way out of way, and all of a sudden his father sees him. How do you think he sees him? Well, because that, that dad, that father, was looking for him to cross that hillside every single day of his life. There had not been a day the father had not stepped on the porch or out in the garden and looked toward the same direction the son left him to see if today would be the day that he returned. It was personal on both levels. What do you, what do you mean? What do I mean by that, guys? What I mean by that is that father went out. I, I just I picture him maybe, and I'll put it in today's terms, maybe he gets his cup of coffee, and, and, and he walks out there, and, and he gets up there around daybreak about the first time that he can see any kind of a, a sight of anything, and, and he has his coffee, and he looks in that one direction. He looks out toward that hillside, across that valley, or wherever it may be, and, and he just looks to see is today the day. Undoubtedly, he was praying every single day. Undoubtedly, we know that, that this boy had to come back to the person who was the father. Undoubtedly, we know that, that it was very personal on both sides. But that father sat there and he looked for him every single day. That is why he was able to see him a great way off on the day that he returned. But that's not it. There's something else about the return that is vitally important that I believe some of us, if not all of us, probably have questioned in our lives. There's a process involved. Remember, I just said that Jesus said, yet a great way off, his father saw him. So someone may ask this question. Why didn't he go down into the far country and get him? Why didn't he get into the pig pen with him? Beloved, because this was the process needing to occur in that young man's life. 
The son had made his choices ill and as harmful as they were. They were painful and they were hurtful to the father and the family himself. But the process, the process had to run its course. Otherwise, proper repentance would never have occurred. Jesus Christ ate with sinners, my friend. He was ridiculed and mocked out because he ate with sinners. But what Jesus Christ did not do was sin with sinners. There's a difference, and I suggest each and every one of us learn that. Amen? The daddy did not have to get down in the pig pen and get dirty to save his son. He just had to stay out of the Holy Spirit's way and allow the process to take its course. And it was pleasing, beloved. It was pleasing. The Bible says, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Watch this. He said, and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Beloved, no matter what, a father wants to see their children come home. No matter what or where they are or how far they've gone out of the way, a father wants them to return and come back to the right ways of God. I mean, it is a mighty pleasing reunion here. A father's ultimate choice is, is to never see their children go in the wrong direction, never to see them go out into the far country, never to see them do those things. But if they do, and it's never promised they're able to return, Guys, listen, the percentages are higher that children have left and gone into the far country and died in that far country than they are coming home. Guys, this is an exception to the rule, you understand. But what a pleasing reunion it was, a process that was very painful when he came to a person and made it personal. So notice with me here today, and I don't know where you are or where you may have been in your Christian life, this thing started with repentance, the change of a heart and mind about something. It led him to not only say that he was going to return, but to return. And that, that return to the ways that his father had taught him, that return back to his father and his family, that enabled him to be restored. Read the rest of the story with me here, or the portion of it that we're looking at. And look in verse 21. It says, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. You see, he was gone afar. And there's no telling about the heartache, the embarrassment, the pain that this father and family had suffered. The question that we asked is whether or not he was too far gone. He reinforced that position. He stuck his heels in the midst of the sin. He got down inside the, the deepest and darkest place of his entire life and probably ever uh, his entire life from, the, uh, from, uh, from moving forward as well. So he was suffering the, the consequences of his ill choices. And he doubled down on him. He sucked his heels in. But we find that he's gone home. I don't believe he was too far gone. And some may say, well, preacher, do you believe anyone can be too far gone? And that's a, probably a question that I would rather answer away from this particular topic because I don't think it applies to Luke 15. I do believe in God turning people over to a reprobate mind. I believe that's something that is not only rare, but it's something that takes away from this right here. here. Here's the thing that we need to remember today. A reprobate mind and those who've been turned over a reprobate mind, that's a lost soul. 
The thing that we must take away from this particular story, this event in history, and I do believe it to be a real event, the thing that we must take away from this is that he was a son and he was a father, and that relationship never ceased. It never stopped. So, beloved, if you're a child of God, if you're saved, born again in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have never ceased to be saved. You have never ceased to be a child of God. And yes, you'll suffer the results of your ill decisions. There is no mistake right there. And yes, uh, there will be a, a time of reality which, which may shake you to the core, but the Father wants you to return. Father desires your return. The Father is wanting and calling you home today so that you would come to Him and be restored in fellowship. Not salvation, because it was never lost, but restored in fellowship. And then celebrate and rejoice on high for the great and wonderful things the Lord has done and will do. So, beloved, too far gone? Never. Just come home. You just come home. You see, my friend, there's a load of things that we can learn out of Luke 15, this event, that we can apply in our lives today and yet in the future. The best story that we can learn, the best best part of the story that we can learn is completely preventative maintenance. Preventative. Never leave. Never allow your heart and your mind to go afar to that country and be tantalized with the wickedness and sensuality of sin in this world today that is only pleasurable for a season. But if you do, if you do mess up and somehow by the grace and mercy of God you're spared your life, you're not too far gone. You can go home. And you can come back to that person, come back to that father, come back to God the Father himself and bow your heart and plead forgiveness and ask to be restored in fellowship that he may do so. And he will. He'll forgive your sins. He'll forgive your sins. He continues to do so every single day. The Bible says if, we're, uh, if, we'll, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. But my friend, I, I will tell you this. This young man has gone home, but I fear in my heart, and whether or not we continue to part four next week or not and, and bring this next thought in, my fear, even though he was gone afar and we answer the question that he wasn't too far gone and now he's gone home, my fear sometimes, does his heart, is it ever gone back? Does he ever deal with the scars and the memories and the pains of what happened during that period of time, a length of time that we know not, of when he was afar in a far country? So I ask you today, if you're here this morning, or if you're listening online, if you are out there in the sea of sin, if you're out there away from the Father, forsaken what God has told you to do, forsaken what God has done for you, all you got to do today is do just like this young man did, just repent. Have a change of heart and mind of where you are today, and return home and be restored into the fellowship of God's grace. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for all you've done and for who and what you are. We thank you for this message, Lord. And I pray that we can apply it into our life, that it will be a, an encouragement and a help to each and every one of us in a way that maybe we don't even understand today, but we will understand in the future. So, Lord, I pray that you would have your will. I ask of you, Lord God, to fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would touch us and tender our hearts, dear God. And let us look at this boy's life and the tragedy of his decisions, the uh, the, the tragic results and those uh, mistakes he made. 
But Father, let us today rejoice on high because he was restored into the royalty of being, uh, of having the fellowship with his family, the fellowship with the Father. And if there be anyone within earshot, dear God, that is going down the same road today, I pray, I ask you, dear Lord, to please touch their heart. Bring this as a constant reminder in their days that they would repent and thus be restored in the same way. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. And I- Thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today by some tragedy, this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what what would stop you right here, right now, from bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. Hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.